Andres Segovia Show. And welcome everyone to the program. I am your host, Andres Segovia. And I have to start by addressing something because everywhere I was going last week, everyone kept asking me. And when I reacted to it, they wanted to know why I didn't care about the Super Bowl. Well, it, it doesn't take much to know that my team wasn't playing. So, no, I don't really care. But the amount of flack I started getting because I walked away from the game at halftime. Yo, Andres, you missed Shakira and J-Lo shaking their stuff? Yeah, because I never cared for the halftime. I've never watched the halftime. The only thing I ever cared about was the game. And more people were talking about the halftime show than they talked about the game. So what does that tell you? No one really cared about the game. And most people don't really care about the game that aren't sports fans. They just care about the commercials and the halftime stuff. You know, before I got into football, I was I was one of those. That was back in 2000, 2001, like when I really started watching stuff. No, that's not true. Back in the 90s, I remember going to my, my pastor's house before, you know, the whole halftime show became really controversial. I remember going to my pastor's house. And uh, he was a cheesehead, so it was the Packers. I think they were going against the, the Denver Broncos led by John Elway. I remember that one. I think that's the one where John Elway did that helicopter spin thing. So I remember when the Denver Broncos beat the, beat the Packers, Brett Favre's Packers. So, yeah, I, you know, I've watched these things for a long time. Back then, they were really entertaining, large-in-life characters. Who didn't like Joe Cool? Who didn't grow up knowing, like, oh, look, Steve Young is taking over for Joe Montana, the next great quarterback? Who didn't like... These teams, you know, that with larger life characters or the big deal when, when, when Joe went over to the Kansas City Chiefs. <gasps> the 49ers and the Chiefs, I said them all in one sentence. That's a Freudian slip. But here's the thing, though, that I've, I, I've, I've already addressed this. I vented it out and off the record. So you're really curious about my uncensored, unfiltered thoughts. By all means, go check it out right there. Because uh, believe me, that's not safe for work. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did tone it down. I toned it down. I, I had to. But... That's not here nor there. The point is that I guess I'll tell you all because everybody needs to know. I didn't care about this game. My team wasn't playing. I was happy that the refs were letting the players at least play the game. They kind of do that in the postseason. But that was my number one complaint about NFL altogether. It's such a micromanaged sport. It is so frustrating. One of the advantages about NFL is just how it's able to be uh, evolved, even with within midseason. I think uh, Colin, uh, um, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? Uh, the guy from the herd. You know who I'm talking about, sports fans. Colin Hurd, what's his name? Is that his name? Yeah, he made a good point about changes that the, the, the game should make. And he had a good list that I agree with. And Fox should be hosting all Super Bowls. They should. That's not my opinion. It's a fact. You know, some of the most memorable Super Bowls have been on Fox, on, on the Fox Sports Network because they know how to throw a Super Bowl viewing party. They just do. So... Thank you to them for putting on a great show. I just didn't care about the game. It hasn't been fun for a long time, so it became so political. Exactly why I don't talk about it on my show. 
But uh, that's all I gotta say to that. You know, I, again, I give um, I tip my hat over to the to the to the Kansas City Chiefs. They finally won. Good for them. I didn't care about the history. I wasn't invested in them. I am happy for Andy Reid. You know, twenty one years in the making. So way to go. You finally got one. But it wasn't that good of a game as most most people make it out to be. You know, it's, uh, it's these. I felt these teams were not playing to their strengths, uh, except towards you know the, the latter half until. They each abandoned what they were doing. The 49ers abandoned what was working and it went against them. And the Chiefs abandoned their slump to finally be the Chiefs that most people know. The explosive Chiefs. And what happened at the end, they're like, oh my gosh, what a rally, what a comeback. They've been doing that all year long. Why are you surprised? You guys are acting like you've never seen it before from these guys. Yeah, they have. And it's not the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Not even second. You know who owns first and second? I know, I'm trolling y'all. <laughs> anyway, I have a Real Estate 101 uh, episode that I got to get going on here. But I just needed to throw that out there. That uh, it's, it's, If you really want to know my feelings about the NFL, just uh, unfiltered and everything, just go to Off The Record. You can find it on my website, www.theandresegova.com. You're not going to find it on YouTube. You're not going to find that on any podcast distributor unless I let you. No, I'm kidding. But you got to go to my website just for that so you can find out what I really had to say about all everything that went down. Let's talk real estate now. Football's up to the side. Let's talk about home sales transactions, more specifically probate. There are many different kinds of properties that are available to buy. And I don't mean like, oh, it's a condo, townhouse, single family home, multifamily residence. No, that's like a different product. I mean, like those can be a different sell altogether. They can be a standard sell where the typical owner is just selling a property. Or it could be a property that is facing foreclosure. So it, it's being sold by the order of the bank, which is called a short sale. Or it could be a foreclosed upon property that the bank is liquidating called REO or real estate owned, in this case, by the bank. Well, there is another sort of property uh, transaction out there called probate. And even that one has a subsection of what it is. It could be a trust. It could be a probate. What kind of probate is it? So I want to talk specifically about probate. And the reason be the reason is... Because the best properties you can get at a best value now, if you're one of those that are looking to really jump into the best deals in real estate and you got the cash to do so, it would technically be probate. The problem is that where do you start? Where do you go? How do you find these things? You kind of have to pick a, a needle in a stack of needles. And the thing is, not all probates are alike. And for this, I actually turned to a law firm that provides information, and they summarized it very well. And I'm going to borrow from their blog. Uh, they made a post called How Buying Probate Property Differs from Traditional Transactions. And I'll be leaving a link to this article on the show notes accompanying this episode. So you can go to my website, www.deandresegovia.com, so you can pull that up and you can learn more about this and how you can avoid probate. Because if you end up finding yourself on the wrong end of this, and which is unfortunate, if you, especially if you have a estate, you are going to go through a painful process. And what I mean by that, normally it's the surviving family members that deal with this. And after the grieving, they're slapped with taxes and you have to go through this stressful process. And that's why not many agents touch these kind of properties. The only ones that do are they have to basically handle the clients with kid gloves. And normally the clients are not just, just straightforward clients like, oh, this is the homeowner or the representative of the homeowner through power of attorney. No, we're talking about now attorneys that are involved as well because there's a 
very tedious process that goes into these things and they have to be uh, done right. So let's talk about how a probate transaction differs from a traditional transaction. Getting the offer accepted. Now I'm borrowing from the blog. It all begins when, of course, someone makes the initial offer. The estate or the administrator of the estate can look at your offer, but they are not obligated to uh, accept your offer. There are more steps that are involved, so they can move on from your offer altogether. So when you put your money down, the administrator or the executor, whoever's representing the estate, uh, if they only have limited authority, then the offer goes to probate court. So before the court hearing, the buyer must make a 10% deposit on this. This is what's actually known as the bidding process because there are two options if the administrator has limited authority. The initial auction tends to happen at the property or on the open market. The second one happens at the courthouse on a time and date set by the court. So the bidding process is like this. A notice of the sale is advertised on the local newspaper. The notice includes the date of the court hearing and the initial offered price. This allows other interested buyers to show up at the court hearing to participate in open bidding. So in other words, if they were not present in the initial one and you thought you got slam dunk on a smashing deal, you can face the competition in the next one. Think of it as the playoffs of sorts. So think of it as skipping the wild card. You're in a divisional round. Now you're in the championship. You get this, then you're, you know, you got it. So if there are others that are interested in the property, they can show up towards the overbidding to overbid the initial offer that you made. The first overbid must be 5% more than the original offer plus an additional $500. The bidding process carries on from there. Do I hear Do I hear this much? Do I hear that much? Do I hear this much? That much? Okay, going, going, gone. The final bid must be no less than 90% of the appraised value of the home. So think about like eBay. When you see these auctions that are up there, and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get this smashing deal. But then you notice that there's a clause on it that let's say you technically won the auction, but the seller didn't sell to you because you didn't meet the minimum uh, threshold for them to be convinced to sell. That happens here too. That the final bid must be no less than 90% of the appraised value of the home. Ouch. So last step, closing the probate property deal. So to make a deal, the buyer has to make an unconditional offer. Their bid cannot be contingent on an inspection or obtaining finances. In other words, as is, straight up. And the court's telling you, it's as is. Don't be saying, oh, I want to check this. I'm going to send my home inspector to get me a full report to find out what I'm getting. No, you bought a lemon, you're being told. You could get a lemon. So either take it or leave it now because you don't have a later chance. They should also be prepared, the buyer, should also be prepared to make a 10% deposit on the final price. If the final buyer isn't the person who made the initial offer, the initial deposit is refunded. This closes the deal and allows the sale of a probate property to move forward. While the waiting period and other steps can cause substantial stress, going through the process can also help buyers find the perfect home at a fair price. Or like unfortunately, as I experienced with my buyer, um, we lost out by about $5,000 in a smashing deal. Smashing deal. But uh, those that knew showed up. We were among about 100 people that were bidding. We, we came up just a hair short. 
And that one, I got to admit, that one emotionally scarred me, which is a, a good theme for a future episode that I'm going to title, Do Not Get Emotionally Involved. So that's that. So let's recap. There's getting an offer accepted. They, you can get it accepted, but they don't have to be obligated to pull a transaction out with you. And if the executor or the administrator only has limited authority, that means the, the court will hold an overbidding bid. So they're going to announce it like crazy to make sure they do their due diligence to get as many people to show up to make sure that they're supposedly looking after the estate so the family can get the highest return on the sale of the property or in the case of the state that they're looking for the biggest return on their tax investment. So they didn't didn't invest in it. They just want to tax it like crazy. It's called the estate tax. So then the putting money down, 10% down on the initial, or if you're the final bidder and you win the overbid, you got to be prepared to make a 10% deposit on top of the overbidding that you're already doing. And then, of course, the pro, the, the closing the probate, uh, property deal, unconditional offer, you're just closing this thing out. A judgment is issued by the um, by the, the, the judge that it's for you. Close the deal. Go downstairs to the clerk's office, turn in the money, and close the escrow. So there's a that's the tedious part about probate. But as the article says, or the blog post says, that it is a rewarding process because you can find smashing deals here. Because this kind of weeds away the competition. If you have been a normal buyer and been turned off that you've been hunting, house hunting for a long time, you've been going to so many open houses, because I had this with my buyers. Like, my goodness, we're just not finding anything. We're putting offers and we're not getting anything. You know, it can, that, even the traditional stuff is very stressful because time is of the essence whereas this this is it's kind of set in stone once the schedules are set by the courts like this is it this is the day it's going to happen so show up if you're going to get it or not okay all right just you got to be prepared to have the cash if you're working with a loan it's a little bit more cumbersome than that because you got to show up with the dough if you want to beat out the other people so just the fyi you cannot have something contingent on a loan and being that most of these probate properties uh tend to be uh, fixer uppers, odds are some of them can't even qualify for financing, so that rules them out. You got to show up with the cash, which is why the best deals you can get, in my in my honest opinion, in California right now are probates and trusts. And that wraps up my session on what's the difference between traditional transactions and probate transactions. So again, the link to this short blog post will be available at the show notes accompanying this episode at www.dandrosegove.com. If you want to consult with me about all your real estate needs then and you want to check out some real estate resources, you can go to www.segoviares.com. And of course, my contact information is across both of them. You can contact me through the social media, through my phone number, my email. Reach out to me. Say, Andres, I heard you on your podcast and I'm interested in investing in real estate or you have questions about real estate. I want to set up an appointment with you to talk about these things that talk we can definitely do that that's what i'm here for i'm here to help you but if you have a question that you perhaps would like to feature on this podcast then by all means reach out to me through the social media most most of all facebook so find the post that you have questions on make the question there and if the question is good enough you might actually find that it, i need to devote an entire episode just to answer that question or i'll feature it in a question answer session and address your your um, question there all right that's it for this episode as always i'll see you on the next one stay safe out there folks